Malcolm Honline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays at this time for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, it's great to be with you and uh, to review all that has been occurring over these uh, past days. How was your journey to the Holy Land? As always, inspiring. And there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of concern. Obviously, the tensions. I was there the, the Saturday night of the 80,000 people rally, supposed number in Tel Aviv and the others in other places. But the, um, there's a lot of tension. And I was in the Knesset. I met with government officials. Um, so I think they're finding their sea legs and, God willing, things will quiet down and be able to focus on the substance of the challenges. What is going to quiet down these protests because of the, there have been rumors about uh, actually laws being implemented, bills being passed that would limit uh, these types of protests, especially impromptu protests, from happening. Uh, is it going to take legislation to get this to calm down, or do you think in the next few days and weeks uh, it'll simply peter out? Well, this week the focus was obviously on Ari Derry and the court ruling against him, a 10-to-1 court ruling. And the you know he holds two portfolios, health and interior, plus uh, deputy prime minister. And they are looking at what options are for other positions that he could hold. It doesn't rule him out from being um, – uh, he has also the chairmanship of a key committee in the Knesset as part of his – a negotiated deal with Netanyahu. So he could assume that chairmanship. There was even talk of making him speaker of the Knesset, none of which is ruled out by the uh, court ruling. But <clears throat> I think it would be very difficult to put him in that high profile position. It would just, I think, stoke the fires more. So they, this is something they are all discussing. And they also have to find people to take those various portfolios uh, to be part of the government. Uh, health is obviously a very key uh, position, and so it's interior. Uh, we'll have to see how it plays out. In the meantime, um, the movement ahead on judicial reform, which many people have proposed, uh, I think part of the problem is that, that there's been so much hype and so much talk, including from the ministers, and so much instant reaction and how politicized this is and how this has already become the destruction of the Supreme Court uh, as it's portrayed in, in a lot of the media and a lot of the protests. So I think that there should have been more thought to preparing the groundwork and for how this is done. But I think they wanted a strike immediately after the election so that they could take advantage of it. And, and Netanyahu says that that's the true poll and the true basis is that people voted knowing what they were voting for. But the, the dairy situation is not the main reason why people are protesting, or or is it? No, no, I just said that that right. was the focus of attention this Got week. It. Right, yeah, that's, that's the news of the week. Ruling. So it, will it peter out? I mean, just getting back for a second. So will this peter out, or will, will legislation be required to, to stop tens of thousands of people from gathering, um, you know, in Tel Aviv and other places against the government? I think people should have the right to gather in the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or hundreds uh, if they uh, legitimately in accordance with the law. Uh, so ruling that out and, and barring these things, I think, is not healthy because it can go both ways. You know, when they're in the opposition, too, they want to have the right to be able to demonstrate. The, the question is, you know, do they do it uh, legally? The I think the question of waving uh, flags, uh, flags that represent terrorism or other 
uh, steps are debatable and and should be subject to the standards that apply in, in most countries in these things. But the truth is that there were very few standards, and I think that's you know what they they are trying to address. As I said, I think if, if I were Prime Minister Netanyahu, I would I would put a gag rule on on some people, and so don't talk so much because every time they talk, they compound the problem. And with things that haven't happened already becoming assumed as, as done, so the the um, protecting free speech, I think, is something everybody recognizes. I, and I don't think uh, I think the demonization and extremism of the statements on all sides is really de- deteriorating the internal relationships. And I've heard very disturbing comments from people there, which I don't dismiss about the reaction of of people and. You know the uh, fear that the society is taking, being taken over by extremists to the right, by Haredim, by this, by that. We need to build much more dialogue. We need to to calm things down, and um, and be able to move ahead because Israel faces real challenges through all of this time. You know, this the internal agenda has become so much the focus, as opposed to some of the external things. And there were good things then. The negative seven meeting. Uh, in uh, in the UAE, the, uh, Morocco announcing it's boosting military ties. So there's uh, many good things are happening, but it's getting no attention. And you know the focus is is so much on the domestic uh, crises. Back to the dairy situation for a second. So it, it sounded like the court ruled that BB has no choice other than to fire him. I don't know why it's his responsibility. I mean, if, the, if it's a rule of law, I don't know why the prime minister has to actually take that action. I would assume that a court ruling would just toss him out of the government. But anyway, but based on what you just said, it sounds like that that's not the case, that, that he doesn't have to be fired from the government. He just can't hold some of the positions that now it is being proposed that he does hold. Is that what it is? He has to be moved to some other part of the government? so to speak? So there are several parts to this. The attorney general did say that he should be fired, but I don't know. He can't fire his head of shots. That's Shots' decision. He can't remove him from the Knesset. It's Knesset decision. Um, But he can remove him. uh, He has to remove him as a minister. That's what the ruling essentially said. And it's because he did pledge to stay out of politics for a certain amount of time as part of his plea bargains, his earlier plea bargains, and can, um, agreements. Got it. Uh, so that is the focus right now. And then the question is where he ends up, right? Which we just don't know at this moment. At this point. Well, and some some have said that he can remain a deputy prime minister, you know, be appointed as a minister in the prime minister's office. Uh, whether that gets covered or not, again, we'll, we'll launch a further debate. Right. But making him chairman of a committee of a powerful committee in Knesset. Uh, would not be covered by that. Does the U.S., aside from Thomas Friedman, does the U.S. have a position right now officially about what's going on, or have they been relatively quiet? Because this would really be an amazing opportunity, especially for, you know, okay, I'll be careful what I say here, but it it would be an opportunity for a leader here in the United States to really put pressure on BB uh, because of the perception of the direction of the new government or what it might do to Israeli society, et cetera, et cetera. Has the White House and Washington in general been pretty quiet as these protests are going on in Israel? They have, but they have expressed concern about sustaining democracy and of doing things that deny rights, especially when it came to some of the issues that impact the Palestinians. Uh, and right now, 
Uh, Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor, is it is in you know in Israel has had a series of high level meetings. Uh, Blinken is supposed to come. Um, I think early February he's going. I know he's going to China, so he may go after that or on the way back and come to Israel. And then there's talk of a Netanyahu visit to the United States. Oh wow! Maybe as early as February, mm. um, maybe a little later, uh, and. So the fundamentals of the relationship continue. They're working together. They, they, talking about Iran, talking about many other issues. And as you saw, it came out what I had alluded to several times that uh, Rob Malley, the negotiators, continue to have meetings, periodic meetings with the the Iranian um, interlocutor. Uh, I think the deal is not moving ahead because of the conditions. And you see the Europeans. And we can talk about that, obviously, are imposing sanctions, moving ahead, finding the plots and and uh, extensive plots that that uh, just this week there were convictions in Georgia, plots to kill Israelis, as there were in Turkey before, all tied directly to the leadership of uh, the Unit 400, and which has direct ties into the government. The the um, I mean, there are really critical issues that get shunted aside because of the attention to this. And the United States has, um, has in the past weighed in on these kind of issues also. Uh, I know the ambassador has made some comments, others have, but they recognize this is an internal decision that um, has to be dealt with in in terms of the laws in, in Israel. Right. And let me just tie up the judicial reform issue because, um, again, critics of Israel and specifically of Netanyahu uh, feel that uh, if Israel would go in this direction of uh, uh, current government um, having a greater influence in choosing judges, etc., that's just going to turn Israel into you know one of these other rogue Middle Eastern countries. That's essentially the way they describe it. Is it as drastic as that? You said in your comments just a few minutes ago that plenty of other countries have gone in this direction. So is it that outrageous for the reform that Netanyahu is looking to implement? Well, for, it's not only what you do, it's how you do it. And and because it's such an open democracy that you can have uh, expressions and you don't want Israel to go in the direction of some other countries. Uh, Israel is, has a unique system because it doesn't have a constitution and the court clearly became a very activist court. And there are reactions against activist courts elsewhere right. as well. We even have some of those issues in the United States. Right. So the you know that's what what I was alluding to. Right. No, I get it. But is it that? I mean, is is it this, is it that uncommon that that Israel would go in this direction? Like, can they can can they go in this direction that Netanyahu is proposing and still end up being a democratic country? Like, is it inevitable that that the system is going to break down if he makes this adjustment? I don't think that the intent here is to break down democracy. It's the way that it's being presented. It's being. And because some of the statements make it sound like it could be a much more extreme revision, or the, it's the combination of all of the things that they are that they are saying they want to enact right away, that people are saying, and and because the opposition is really crippled because they have the majority and they can pass all of these legislative initiatives, that they have to strike out and, and using very extreme terminology to protest and to to get their voice heard. Um, not in the media in Israel, which obviously is pretty loud by itself without anybody else. So um, 
I, I, I don't think that Israeli democracy is is going to be undermined. I do think that, that hearing the voices of all parts of the people is part of what the democratic process should be here and there and everywhere where democracy reigns. It's that, that just because you have majority in a government doesn't mean that everything you want to do should be just done willy-nilly. Having just been there, you were there this week, it, it, it must be to a degree frightening the way the media is fueling all of this. Would the protests be as loud and as large if the media wasn't you know, really uh, endorsing this type of activity? Um, do you think that they're greatly responsible for 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 ramping things up in terms of the uh, uh, the heated situation in Israel? I think the Israeli media, because its orientation is generally very left and have had it in for Netanyahu, do, do, does contribute to it. But I think this is more, also more fundamental. I spoke to business leaders, others who are very thoughtful and considered people who expressed really deep concern. They told me that some companies that were planning to... to, to move to Israel or to do set up headquarters, uh, a headquarters in Israel, canceled those plans during the recent weeks because of the situation as they, as it has been interpreted to them. And that's why I think people understand that there's a broader uh, implications that this is not being done, you know, in a fishbowl. It is in a fishbowl that everybody can see it, but it's not contained. This is the whole world is seeing it. And I think it has implications and you don't want to do things that dissuade people from coming. You don't want to dissuade the businessmen. It's clear that in the Arab world so far, and especially the Abraham Accord countries, it has not had much of an impact as we see the deals and the contacts going ahead. You walked the halls of the Knesset. Did you get the feeling that it's, it's a stable government and one that's you know, relatively middle-of-the-road democratic? And I mean that, of course, in you know, form of government uh, term, democratic. Did you get the feeling that you know, things are a lot more stable and uh, ready to move ahead? Uh, compared to the way you know people are are viewing the Israeli government at the moment, well, you walked through the Knesset. It was quiet. People were bustling around as usual. But I do think that there is, um, and that the plates are shifting. That there's a lot of turmoil. Obviously, people, opposition, and others will exploit the situation. Those who have particular agendas or uh, differences over particular issues will will be more loudly heard. The concern I heard was expressed even by members of the government, not the others alone, and their fear about what is the implications here, because the media here is also presents this with a certain slants in certain uh, ways, and there's genuine concern here because it's it's a, a secondary uh, level of knowledge and of involvement, but the, the tension is definitely there. It's no doubt in Israel. Wow. You're getting me nervous. I thought it was all just an anti-BB thing. You're getting me nervous that uh, there are plenty of people who feel, you know, BB or not, the Israeli government is uh, going in a certain direction. That there's some, you know, th- that danger lurks behind the corner. I would say that there is, uh, you know, that there's nobody who would guarantee, I think, today how long the government would last. But, wow. but, but the fact is that they have a majority. They have the ability to do it. I think doing it and, and you know, taking into account all the considerations. But for many years and for years, the governments uh, moved in other directions. Uh, look, BB was only out of office for a little over a year, so it's not, you know, it's, it's the, this is the 20 years of labor rule that they are addressing. Oh, I hear that. And on the Jake Sullivan visit, how seriously does he take Mahmoud Abbas when Abbas is complaining to him about crimes of Israel against Palestinians? Does, it, does he have a response? Does he... Does he take it seriously? What do you think the reaction is? 
well, I, I think they, they take uh, complaints seriously, um, and sometimes they have spoken out about uh, certain practices, but I, I haven't seen Jake making headlines or exploiting the issue, and I think that you know his area is in national security and security areas. Uh, other people in the administration have spoken out periodically about it, and it's not just uh, Mahmoud Abbas. If we look like the King Abdullah, uh, of Jordan's very uh, strong s- statements and boycotting the meeting of the of the N7, saying, well, when they come to Palestinians, but uh, focusing even more about uh, Jordan's position as guardian of the holy places in Jerusalem and gotten other governments to, to endorse that position. And he has been making, um, he, he wants to oppose to give Saudi Arabia a foothold there and even Morocco and think that the the um, insistence on two-state solution and uh, rejecting any attempts, you know, they, they're still very sensitive to the Jordan is Palestine arguments of of uh, previous times, but his um, his behavior has been very uh, disappointing yeah. and strange, and he has a lot of, of course, internal disruption. So it's not just uh, the PA, it's, it's he and others who will still rally. You get the vote in the U.N., as we saw again this week and in the past weeks. Uh, the automatic majorities are still there against Israel. Unbelievable. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Round the world of web and AlchemSegal.com and the AlchemSegal Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmline, vice chairman, conference of presidents of major American Jewish organizations. Zelensky's not serious when he asks if Putin's alive, right? He knows he's alive. It might be wishful thinking, but... Uh, <laughs> I mean, does he do that simply to demonstrate that, hey, you know, look how Putin's been hiding and, you know, can't show his face, etc.? Like, that, I assume that's his point, right? And also, you know, you sow doubts and you... you he, he, um, there were reports that Putin had cancer earlier this year and, and right. um, you know, the, the pictures depicting him as a more swollen face saying he's on steroids. There are all sorts of things, but I, I would not... Uh, say that there's been any evidence or indication that um, he's either been removed or he has died or uh, that he's uh, particularly sick right now. One of the uh, meetings with Israeli and U.S. officials this week was about the regional impact of Russia's military alliance with Iran. Is this any different than it was? Is it only much more of a concern now because of this divide that's happening between uh, so many countries who are taking, you know, Russia's side and others that are taking the Ukrainian side? Is this uh, is this military alliance with Iran any different than what we've been hearing over the last couple of years? Yes, I think it's the qualitatively different, and uh, you know, it has implications for what's happening in Syria, where Russia may be withdrawing more. We see Iran investing more, uh, both of them ganging up against uh, Turkey. Uh, Turkey also expanding its relationship uh, with Russia very broadly, and it's been a lifesaver for Turkey because they've gotten investments of, I don't know, $28 billion in oligarchs' money and trade and, and many other things. But with Iran in particular, it is a game changer. Number one, it's it's a lifeline for Iran, which has been isolated. They're making a lot of money off the export of Iranian, of Russian oil through Iran and of goods because they can't transfer to other ways and uh, are being sold uh, uh, through uh, Iranians. And second, or transferred from Iran through Iran to other to third countries. Uh, and the uh, advancement of their drone industry 
And if, in fact, they get the, the sale of, of the jets goes through, of uh, fighter jets, that's a big game changer because Iran's Air Force was completely depleted. It's very oh, They can't get spare parts. That's why they developed so much the drones um, and, uh, and other things that they developed, the little submarines they built. But uh, they, their, air, their Air Force is, is antiquated. And so getting these new jets from um, Russia would be a, a difference. And it's obviously when, when both countries have economic uh, stress, and Iran was certainly uh, with the additional sanctions and more sanctions likely coming and the naming of more people, especially with the Europeans, uh, the French, British, uh, others imposing uh, sanctions after the human rights things, yeah, the, the executions, the blatant executions, and many other things uh, for for uh, diminishing both the fervor for the JCPOA, but also uh, additional economic sanctions, and hopefully there'll be many more. The United States has also imposed more. So in both, in all of these regards, the expansion of their relationship is important. What do you think of the Medvedev comment that uh, to NATO that if the uh, if Russia loses this war? Beware, because they'll start a nuclear war. I think that the move to a nuclear war would be very uh, exaggerated step if he if he would take it. It, it. it will carry with it tremendous repercussions, and I think nobody wants to be the first to, to actually use it. Maybe if some people say, well, they'll use tactical weapons, it won't be. But I, I don't know in this circumstance whether nuclear weapons are really... Uh, the answer, we see that uh, Israel just sold you know, or provided Ukraine with uh, uh, warning systems for um, incoming uh, drones and missiles. Uh, other countries are selling them more and more military equipment. Um, Russia is engaging in call-ups, even though I think that the, that the corpus of people from whom we control is more and more limited. And a lot of the young people left the country or won't serve and don't serve. And the economic conditions there obviously are, are uh, worsening for, for everyone. Um, so, uh, the, um, I, I, you know, an act of desperation could come anytime. You know, we see with Iran that the more Iran's internal situation deteriorates, the more they engage in aggressive regional actions or foreign actions. And, and seeing it in, in, as I point out many times, about South America and about Africa, about everywhere. And I was recently in some countries, and, and they were expressing their real concern, again, about Iranian expansionism, even when they have no money to feed their people. But yeah. they, they turn to these in order to redirect the attention of the people and talk about, you know, their... Uh, foreign successes, uh, so to speak. It's so funny. We're, we're we're so concerned about the Russia-Iran alliance against what you know looks like you know a NATO. I don't know U.S., Britain, and other country alliance. Like it, you know, it looks like you know it's shaping up to you know in the way that world wars shaped up. And at the same time, as the entire world is being, I don't know if we want to say distracted or diverted to that. What you just described is going on where Iran is having all this influence in other countries from you know thousands of miles away from where they are. I'm wondering if we're being duped that if they go as they go ahead and continue, you know, this public alliance and relationship with Russia in you know, in that what I guess we can call regional war, I wonder if we're being duped because nobody's paying attention to what's happening globally out of Iran. Well, that has been true all along, and I don't think it's, you know, and it's not the government so much. The governments in most of those countries hate the Iranian intervention, except where they bring money and they 
bribe people and they uh, establish themselves, but it's a cancer that once it's in the country, then it grows and, uh, it, and you know, like the Chinese go in and they offer very good deals and they, they get them beholden to them on loans and then all of a sudden they start calling loans and they can't pay it, so they get more and more for it. Uh, you know, that this is... Um, Today, the way the world is, is, appears to be uh, to be working, mm-hmm. um, but the, the Iranians, uh, it doesn't take that much money to to do the things they're doing in those countries, and especially when you're not feeding your people and you have unemployment in half the country and the, the internal uh, situation. And that's why you see the more and more extreme measures being taken within the country. But rest assured, the demonstrations are continuing. The the uh, There's no diminution in the spirit, especially of the young people, in opposing the regime. The regime is just cracking down more. They arrested people. You saw the public executions and many more in line to be who have been sentenced to death. I mean, it's horrendous. A, and, former, and, uh, a former defense official was executed this week. That's right. And it was an official. And, I mean, it, it's just um, incredible to see... Uh, but but the, the Israel has long said that the West has to take a more a stronger stand against Iran it's because of what what they're doing with Russia that you pointed out is one uh, part of it and the military aid that Russia provides that Iran provides to Russia uh, and the um, even the hundreds of um, Shahid one thirty sixty unmanned uh, UAVs that um, makes Iran a party to the war too so. Um, you know, the very fact that we would in any way continue to discuss and have negotiations with Iran at this time and, and hold out any hope that they would be able to get back to the JCPOA is, would be a tragic mistake. And what only language clearly that Russia, that Iran understands is the, the toughest of sanctions, cracking them down, isolating them. They throw them off the Women's Committee at the UN. They should be throwing them out of the UN. They should be isolating them in every way as they engage in these massive human rights problems at home undermining governments abroad. I mean, it, it is uh, it is just really uh, beyond the Russian and Ukrainian situation, and that just should be even more convincing when they're investing all of this money, all this effort from NATO countries, et cetera, against uh, Russia and Ukraine, and, and here comes Iran giving them a lifeline. Someone's got to tell this to the people in Washington, because I think they still believe that the JCPOA could exist. Um, there are some, there are some, right, who still believe in it. But I would hope that every rational mind would come to the conclusion that anything that benefits the government of Iran at this time would be a huge mistake, and we will pay the price for it. These are anti-American moves. These are against the interests of the West, against the human rights concerns, democracy concerns. Everything that everybody supposedly advocates are being undermined by by supporting Iran, this Iran regime. Yeah. What do you think of uh, Harvard Kennedy School reinstating the fellowship application of Kenneth Roth? Well, for all those who complain about the influence of money and who claim that the Jewish money, there's the answer, that it's the anti-Israel money and, and influence, and it's it's horrendous. Ken Roth's record is very clear. He's been anti-Israel for decades, and giving him a fellowship, I don't know what it entitles him to do, but certainly the symbolism and the message and the fact that they caved after making a decision and reversing it is, is symptomatic of what we're seeing on the campuses. So one second, we've got to be clear uh, with this. Uh, in other words, 10, 20 years ago, you don't think this would have happened. 10, 20 years ago, there was enough influence, enough protest, enough, uh, uh, enough of our community being taken seriously by an institution like Harvard and other 
colleges where they where they likely would have uh, not have reinstated um, uh, someone like him. Is that what you're saying? And today the atmosphere is very different. I think that I was saying that 10 or 20 years ago, he was engaged in anti-Israel activities. There's years at Human Rights Watch and then at all his activities. He was known for for decades for his, his hostility. So they can't say they didn't know who right. they were appointing. And uh, I would hope that uh, years ago that that would not have been the case. And I think the, you know, the, we see the diminution in numbers of Jewish students, that the quotas that are being applied uh, against Jews and others in the, in the woke culture, which affects Harvard and significantly dropped the percentage of Jewish students. We see it in the atmosphere on campus there and across the country. Uh, the number of such a very disturbing reports continues to, to mount. And whether it's in, in New York or around the country, it, it's true. So, yeah, I believe that this would have uh, perhaps been a reason to have kept him out uh, from being, being honored in this way. So there's more things position and also that there's commencement speakers who get, uh, you know, get lauded and others who have long records of hostility. Is there still financial support from the Jewish community for a place like Harvard? Of course. Just look at the, the names of new buildings and things like just, that. Just, yeah, just nothing like it was or, or, or the, or the other side has gotten. I, I haven't seen any quantification of it, so I can't tell. Yeah, I don't but. mean quantification. I mean, why don't we hear voices? Why don't we hear some of these philanthropists, you know, standing up and, you know, and protest? Well, I do think some did and did make their voice heard. And that's why I think they decided not to give him the uh, thing after they investigated the, the uh, record of his, his views. And I'm sure that some people, you know, raised their voices, alumni and others. Um, but then the counter voices were heard. Right. And clearly it's, it's, um, I don't know if it was an out, out, out battle or uh, so, uh, supporters of our positions uh, don't make their voices heard. Right. Uh, don't take this seriously enough. And yeah. it's, just the presence of this guy on campus is is, uh, is a negative. Years ago, they didn't cave into the counter voices. Today, they do. That might be that might be the headline. Frankly, <laughs> it's just a different atmosphere out there. Finally, what, what do we know about this video about an Israeli missing since 2014, and now apparently the enemy has a video proving he's alive or, or proving that? Uh, do we? What do we know about this? So this is the Mengisto case. This is a, a young um, uh, Ethiopian who has um, mental challenges, and he wandered across the border. It's nothing new. We have been protesting for him, along with the return of Hadar Golden, and you know the the bodies of the soldiers and the uh, and another young man who went missing with him. Uh, I think a Druze, uh, a Druze or a Bedouin. And uh, we have always included them in our in our tunings for our foreign governments to to help return them. From, Hamas has been holding them as hostage all of these years. It's it's a tragic situation, and the um, you know now they're playing it up as if it's something new, where they just discovered him. But it's because Hamas put out a, a video, essentially threatening or, or raising it. Um, as a threat, and I think you know, and, and, and then there were charges that because he's black, the Israelis didn't make as much of a case. That is not true. I can tell you personally that the envoys who came always included him in this, and we appealed to black leaders and others to help uh, try to secure his release. Uh, you know, Tim 
to raise the case with Hamas. I'm going to see Erdogan and many other leaders who had ties with Hamas to get them to uh, intervene on, on behalf of the, the hostages. It's, it's inhumane, and there was pressure at times to keep the bodies of, of Palestinians, terrorists, uh, who were killed in actions, and and um, but Israel, you know, doesn't do it. It, 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 um, it eventually re- returns to the, the bodies. Yeah. Uh, I think they are still holding some now. I know Benny Gantz did for a little while, but th- this is it's a tragedy. And the fact that the Hamas is allowed to get away with it while all this money is pouring in from Qatar, from Turkey, from other places. You know, we should be able to exercise enough pressure for them, but they want to trade for a huge number. They want another deal like the Shalit deal, which is not going to happen. Right. Well, Malcolm, after our conversations, I uh, generally uh, fear some government around the world. I didn't think I'd be worried about the Israeli government, but uh, I guess we got to be uh, we got to be hopeful that things will be straightened out and that uh, things will become more and more stable and all of us will be able to live together in peace and harmony. And we cannot allow people to sow divisions between Israel and diaspora communities within the communities. Yep. People have a right to, ex- to express themselves, but people be careful with your words because our enemies are using the comments of some uh, Jews and Israelis against Israel. And you're going to hear it at the UN. You're going to hear it. And they're not going to say, this is not us saying it. Look, these are Israelis. These are the opposition leaders. These are others. Yep. Everybody should be careful, including the ministers and the government, about what they say and how they say it. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Honline. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Shabbos. We'll speak again next week. Malcolm Honline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Lots to think about.